You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Longhorns Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow the show, Locked On Horns on Twitter. And we got a pool show today. We're going to talk a little bit about Transfer Portal. Uh, got another player entering the portal who could potentially leave. We got Jalen Green making a position change as well as Montreal Estelle. So that's secondary. Very uh, active during the offseason ahead of the Alamo Bowl. Uh, we're going to wrap it up in segment two, uh, our Big 12 roundtable. Uh, we'll get that final segment there. And then obviously we have... Going to look at some wide receiver numbers of Bajan Robinson and the quarterback tail of the tape for the Alamo Bowl. Uh, but first, let, let's talk. Let's talk about Xavier Alford. Uh, it was reported that he was mulling his options uh, as far as heading into the portal. That has now been confirmed that he will enter into the transfer portal, which is just another player, the fifth. Fifth player to enter the transfer portal uh, by our count just in the last uh, several weeks. Now you have Alfred in there. Uh, That's that's a tough deal. I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with pursuing safeties. Defensive back out of uh, Florida State didn't really sit well with him. And this is a new day and age of college football. The transfer portal is going to be a, a... a big deal. I mean, it's it had become a big deal, but I think it's bigger with the new NCAA ruling for the uh, one-time transfer rule or where you can transfer and it'd be immediately eligible. There's no waiting an entire year. So I think that's, that's a big part of college football now. It's not a Texas thing. I, I, I mean, there has been a mass exodus of players, and, you know, maybe that's another topic for another day. Uh, I mean, we've talked at it at length right here on Locked on Longhorns podcast. But it is an issue. The the mass exodus. You had five of your seven team captains opt out before the bowl game. Does that have a lot to do with the fact that they didn't want to play meaningless games now that they have been eliminated from the Big 12 championship contention? Maybe. Possibly. Don't want to get injured for a meaningless game and, and hurt their NFL draft chances. Mostly the guys that I'm referring to are uh, Joseph Asai, Samuel Cosme, both first-round draft options. You know, one captain that has yet to decide is is Sam Ellinger. He said so in his media availability for Alamo Bowl week uh, just on Wednesday. He's still trying to decide. And then positional changes. You have Jalen Green. Uh, was reported by Chip Brown of 24-7 Sports. Jalen Green is going to be getting double duty in in preparation for the Alamo Bowl. Uh, going to play some safety. Well, because the last time that they played a game, Jaron Thompson, freshman, played safety. He played next to Chris Brown. Well, Chris Brown has now opted to skip the bowl game and head to the NFL draft along with Caden Stearns, both your starting safeties. What are they going to do there? One name that we thought was going to be in play for was Montreal Estelle, but... According to Chip Brown in that same report, 
He's moving a wide receiver at the X position. Why? Because Brennan Eagles just opted out. He declared for the NFL draft. So now there's a question of who's going to play safety, who's going to play wide receiver. You have Joshua Moore on one side playing the Z. Who's your X? Could it be Tariq Black? What's he going to do? You know, there, there's an option there where he may leave. So Montreal Estelle is going to play there. And maybe that's the fact that Estelle was never going to get much higher in the on the depth chart at safety. Wide receiver is a problem right now. It is a position of need. And we're going to get into those wide receiver numbers in, in our third segment of the show. But that's where we're sitting on on a personnel standpoint of where where things are going. There's a lot of moving parts. Joshua Moore is expected to be back next year. There have been rumors that Jake Smith might be mulling the opportunity to hop into the transport portal and find a different opportunity for him. Again, those are just rumors. I haven't heard anything substantial on it. But if you look at the wide receiver room, you have Joshua Moore, Jake Smith, Jordan Whittington, and your top three players production-wise coming back next year. Or we think they're coming back. Tariq Black hasn't made a decision whether he's going to come back or not. He was the starter to begin the season, and then Brent Eagles took his job. Troy Omier is another guy that we're kind of waiting to hear about. Is he going to be up there? Is he going to be that next guy? We think so, but we don't know. He probably won't be available for spring football, if there is a spring football this year. Um, Probably won't be available until, you know, summer camp or or the camp right before football season kicks off in August, late August. That's kind of where we're sitting right now. We got some guys coming in uh, with this freshman class. Uh, but given the way that they used Bajan Robinson as a freshman, I don't think you can rely on a freshman to get a lot of production right off the jump. I mean, they're going to have to work their way in through the rotation. That's where it sits right now. That's where the Longhorns are right now. Uh, But go back to my point about Alfred and, and joining the portal. If he was upset, I can understand it. Uh, but what happened to players sticking with their commitments, fighting through it? But if he's he's not happy with staff, I can't blame him. Maybe he doesn't like, you know, working under Chris Ash. You know, there's, when he committed to play for Texas, it, Chris Ash wasn't in the fold yet. Chris Ash wasn't the, the guy that was recruiting him. Uh, you know, that was Craig Navarre. You know, he was the defensive backs coach before he left and went to USC with, with Todd Orlando. And so that that's kind of where we sit at this point. We don't know. All right, but let's get into segment two. Um, we're going to do the final segment of the Big 12 round table. Uh, we have Stephen Simcox from Locked On TCU, Joshua Neighbors, Locked On Big 12. And John Williams with the Locked On Sooners podcast. Uh, but first, I just got to ask, do you always feel like you're always on? Do you need a moment to chill? How do you hit that reset button, get ready for what's next with the holidays, family, 
everybody trying to figure out are they coming together are they not there's a lot of stress involved but if you need to chill that's when you reach for Coors Light it is made to chill there's only one beer out there that is literally made to chill and that is Coors Light Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on this fall Saturdays are your time to chill with bowl season plenty of options even if your team's not playing this year because they opted out of the bowl there's sports on TV NBA season's getting kicked off so, why don't you just reach for that beer that's made to chill? Coors Light is cold lager, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for that moment to unwind. Crack open a cold one. That's the best way to do it. But make sure you're getting beer that's made by the, crew, the Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. And as always, we want to remind you to celebrate responsibly with that Coors Light. And the great thing is you can get your Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door. Go to get.coorslight.com to find a distributor that's going to bring that beer right to you and you don't have to get out on these holidays. Now the great thing that you can do right now, staying indoors and trying to be healthy, is reach for that Built Bar. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious. It includes nut and non-nut flavors. One of my new favorites is the Lemon Almond Cheesecake. I absolutely love cheesecake. 100% covered in chocolate, low sugar, low carbs, high in protein. Uh, But if you want to go with original, peanut butter brownie, mint brownie, two of my favorites. They're soft and easy to chew. There's no aftertaste, no chalky taste, no that texture that with your typical energy bar. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. These bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for the keto diet. Absolutely got to check it out. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You're getting 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, before we get into this roundtable conversation, I just want to remind you, Locked On Bets, the newest podcast. Betting on college football doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, Hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to Lockdown Bets Podcast, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk bowl games. Uh, Any shocks? Uh, We'll start with Steven real quick. uh, I know he's got got another gig to head to. Steven, uh, initial thoughts on the Texas Bowl matchup with Arkansas. Yeah, it should be fun. You know, I'm curious to see this TCU O-line has gotten better as the year's gone on. So I know Arkansas's record is not great, but just facing an SEC D-line to finish the year, like sort of what they look like and how they hold up. And, um, you know, Sam Pittman has that team playing hard. Uh, I, I know the end of the season was was tougher for them. You know, one sort of interesting subplot here as well is uh, is Gary Patterson versus Kendall Bryles because – Gary and Art did not get along well at all. They hated each other's guts. Uh, so I'm assuming those guys are going to, you know, be taking that pretty personally, the offense versus the defense. Um, and a chance for the Frogs to finish 7-4 and four on the year, which, um, you know, would be a pretty good accomplishment considering they started the season 1-3. and three. So it should be a fun one. I, I think it'll be a close game, a competitive game, and um, sort of a good measuring stick ending the season for TCU on, on some different matchup fronts. Yeah, I think it, I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. 
honestly, brings back an old Southwest Conference rivalry between TCU, Arkansas. Uh, so, you know, I'm excited about that, you know, dating back to the early 90s. Uh, John, just your thoughts on your initial matchup with Florida? I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, two really high-powered offenses. Uh, you know, it's going to be a really good test for the Oklahoma defense and Alex Grinch. Are they, are they actually for real? Like, is this Oklahoma defense back to what we've what we expected them to be after their early run in the early 2000s? And so, yeah, it's going to be a huge test for them. You know, obviously, Florida's defense is going to going to be challenged as well by by Spencer Rattler and the Oklahoma offense. To me, I mean, I, I got some, I still got some questions about this team coming out of the Big 12 championship. I mean, they only scored three points in the second half. And if you look at Oklahoma's season, Iowa State, Kansas State, even the the win over Texas, they kind of went into a shell in the second half. And so I, I'm starting, and we'll, we're going to talk about this this week on Locked On Sooners. But I wonder, you know, what's up with Lincoln Riley when they get into these kind of big games or or games against closer competition? Why does he get so conservative in the second half? I don't know. It's it's a trend that's a little bit disturbing. I think we all know somebody got the shaft. Uh, talking about Cincinnati. So my question is, if they would have expanded it to eight teams, would they have put Cincinnati at nine? Yes. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I might I might have to quit college football if that were the case. That would make me <laughs> I'm so angry. I got pretty close today, John. I went to, I, I got pretty close today. Like I would tell you guys, I just did this on on, on the Big Ten podcast too. I, I worked for SiriusXM, worked at the college sports show this morning. I didn't listen to the rankings. The show ended at noon. I hopped on Peloton and I just I rode the bike for about <laughs> an hour. And I just I had to do it because I I was not here for it. I just it's the same. It's you know the, kind of the same thingness, but. But the the arguments that have played played college football and the situation that we're in right now, I didn't want to hear Gary Barta explain it away. I didn't want to watch the rankings come out. I didn't want to do any of it. And I'm sure I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm not saying you know I'm some rebel or whatever. I'll watch college football playoff like all of us will. Yeah. But it's tired. I think right. I think fans are tired. Yeah, I mean UCF, Coastal Carolina. I mean, in the Cure Bowl, now, in the Cure Bowl, Coastal Carolina, right. Right, right, in the cure bowl. But, yeah, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. Like, don't get me wrong. I know why it happened the way it did. I mean, look at the teams that are in there, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama. Big money teams, right? Huge followings. They're going to make a ton of money or what they can off of what you can make in a global pandemic. Uh, I understand it. And then, obviously, the next two teams are A&M and, and Oklahoma, uh, you know, so how, how does a, a G5 team get in? Is it going to have to be an eight-team expansion and then see if they're going to continue to do this? John? Yeah, I mean, for me, like, that's the only way. I mean, they're, they've proven it at this point that that they have no interest in having a group of five team in the college football playoff. If there was ever going to be a year that a group of five team could have made it, this was going to be the year. And they just said, no, nah, we're good. We're going to let Notre Dame come in after getting – Molly Wapped in the uh, ACC title game. And yeah, so, it, you know, and I, I have no group of five rooting interest, but I just want, yeah. like, I just want fair and I want opportunities for these teams that, I mean, what else can Cincinnati do except go undefeated on their schedule and you're still not going to let them in? Uh, change proved, conferences. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it's not their fault the Big East fell apart. Yeah. You know, like 
like they can, you know, I'd yeah. be happy to welcome them into the big 12, you know, a good basketball history, pretty decent football history. Like they're not a bad school to bring into the big 12 if they wanted to expand. But I mean, to yes, the big East fell apart teams abandoned the ship and, and went to these other conferences. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, aside from joining one of the power five teams, there's nothing that anybody's going to be able, able to do to make the college football playoff unless they expand. And even then you never know, like, what if there were eight one loss power five teams? Well, we, we're, we're seeing that the money is what speaks. Well, the, the thing is, and John, you brought up Notre Dame. My problem is with Ohio State. And yes. Ohio, State, Ohio State is the issue that I have uh, because just the way like their season went down, you know, we're watching, I mean, they talk about the eye test, right? My issue is this, Gary Barta in his defense brought up specific players from Ohio State. He's talking about Chris Olave got involved. Justin Fields look good. Like, if, and I don't, I mean, I, I don't agree with that argument at all, but if you're going to use that, what do you say about yesterday's win against Northwestern? Um, this was a team that couldn't let their quarterback throw the ball in the end of the game when they had to ice it because they didn't trust him to throw the ball against Northwestern. Like that's the problem I have is that I, Ohio State's season, if they played more games, go one of two ways, either one, they're going to improve and build off what, you know, the problems they had or two, they're going to lose somebody better than, you know, somebody else. Like that was going to happen inevitably. And it's not their felt fault. They only had six games. It's conference's fault, but still Cincinnati's schedule. They played army who was ranked at the time when they played them. They beat Memphis. They beat UCF. They beat SMU. They beat Tulsa. Ohio state beat a lot of bad teams, mm-hmm. a lot of bad teams. And they always talk, also, they, they brought up that, uh, that Indiana win a lot, didn't they? Right. Talked about how good that Indiana win is. What bowl game is Indiana in? Because they got when it came to talk about how close that game was, how great of a win it was. Indiana is not in a good bowl game now, and got hosed. So you know, apparently we have a lot of reverence for Indiana, but when it comes down to where their bowl, you know, scene is, I forget, I forget which game they're in, but they're not in New Year's Outback. Six. Outback, that's right, yeah, and they're not in New Year's Six bowl. They're they're not you know, there. They're not there at the end of the day. That brings up another one that I want to bring up, and I'll I'll ask you and John about this. Why is North Carolina in a New Year's Six bowl? ACC needs three teams in the New Year's Six. Shot. I'm sorry, but Indiana deserves it more than than uh, North Carolina, in my opinion. And I love North Carolina, and I love Mac Brown. Uh, but if we're going to talk about putting teams in, uh, you have a team that's on the outside of the top twelve in a New Year's Six bowl. How does yeah, that make I, any sense? I don't understand it. Oregon's twenty. Yes. Well, I mean, they're. I mean, they won the conference, but they're still four and two. Four yeah. and two. It, and they only they no were sense. only in the game because Washington got COVID. And, and also, one more thing: Indiana's playing a four and five Ole Miss. So, I mean, this year is a little bit weird because there's going to be a lot of teams with, with yeah. losing records that are in it. But I mean, you could have found a better team than North Carolina to put in a, in that Orange Bowl against. I mean, I'd rather see Miami in that, and that would have made a lot more sense because it's a a, a regional game for them. But yeah, it just I don't know it, the. The scheduling is just weird, and college football this year is just crazy. Can I pitch something really fast? John, would you like to see AM versus Oklahoma? 100%. Yeah, I was going to say in the Cotton Bowl, that would make a lot more that was, sense to me. That than, was the game than, that I was hoping for, actually. Right, because so it also scheduled UNC in Florida. Like That's a, that's a compelling game. Mm-hmm. UNC in Florida, put them in Florida, right? And right. then you can just do cotton, the Cotton Bowl, just have AM and Oklahoma. And I guarantee you, AM, for as mad as their fans are, they get out to play Oklahoma. 
There's there's I, no way they're going to go in, you know, lackadaisical and let OU trounce them. They, they, they I mean, or at least, you know, with, with that mindset. I'm not a big fan of the anti-Texas Bowl. Uh, you know, having Texas A&M and, and Oklahoma. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I think that would be, Bowl, yeah. yeah, right. Cause it's their two biggest rivals. Uh, and you can say what you want. Texas A&M isn't a rival anymore, but uh, if you look at the recruiting battles, they're still rivals. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in that bowl game though. The, the orange bowl itself between A&M and UNC, because I want to see Mac Brown stick it to the Aggies one more time. Yep. I'm not going to lie. I want to see I'm here it. for that. Yeah, exactly. And then everybody's like, yeah, do it, Mac. Go for yeah, it. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, but I thought it would be interesting to get us all together, talk this, and, and I'm sure we're going to do it again as the offseason progresses. Uh, but I want to thank Stephen Simcox from Lock on Horn Frogs. We got Joshua Neighbors from Lock on Big 12 and John Williams. Uh, we got a love-hate relationship between me and John, both Cowboy fans, but, you know, I cover Longhorns. He's covering Sooners. Check him out, Locked on Sooners. Appreciate you guys. Hey, yep. Thanks, Pat. It's been fun. All right, before we get into the final segment of the Locked on Longhorns podcast, are you ready for football? College football heads into bowl season, and there's some big matchups. NFL regular season's only got a couple weeks left, with the playoff picture becoming more clear. There's only one place that's got you covered and one place we trust. Go to betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account on bet at betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. We're going to give you a 50% welcome bonus. NFL Games of the Week. We've got college football top games. All the biggest stories in college football. We're going to get you all set up. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So there's one area that needs to be improved uh, when it comes to the Texas Longhorns offense. Now, if you look, last year's numbers versus this year's numbers, they're comparable. Uh, you know, maybe, I mean, they, they average less than eight yards less or fewer, per uh, game in total offense. 465.8 in 2019, 457.3 this season. But they're averaging almost six points more, or over six points more per game. Their passing offense is a little bit lower, but their rushing offense is better. Why? Because they finally decided to start using B. John Robinson. But one of the things they got to get better at He's yards after the catch. In 2017, excuse me, uh, in 2017, Little Jordan Humphrey, the 265 yards, that was number 122 in the country. Uh, so that's seven yards average of yak, yards after the catch. But in 2018, he was number 10 in the country. He had 592. In 2019, Devin DuVernay was number three. He had 719 yards. But this year, Joshua Moore is on number 140 at 161 yards. And these are just wide receiver rankings. 92 of that 161 yards came against UTEP. Since then, just 72 yards. That's less than 10 yards a game. They don't have that dynamic player with the ball in their hand at the wide receiver level. 
Many thought Joshua Moore was going to be that next guy. He wasn't. Was he hampered by injury? Possibly. I mean, we know he was. How much did that hamper him? When he was healthy, was he making those catches? Not at the same clip that he did against um, against UTEP. Yeah, he led the team in, in touchdown receptions, but if you look at it, look at it. I mean, he caught the ball only 19 times the rest of the year after UTEP. That's when he had his best game. They need to do that. Your running back, your leader in yards after the catch was B. John Robinson. He had 171. 13.2 yards per touch of yards after the catch. That is where they need to go more. B. John Robinson should have been playing from the jump. He's your leader for yards after contact carrying the ball. 392. So after catch and after contact, over 500 yards. He led your team in yards from scrimmage this year. But he didn't really get to start until after Oklahoma. Texas offense waited six games, five games in, to get Robinson involved in the offense. And that is a direct shot at Tom Herman. Because it's his fault. He should have been getting the ball a lot more. Of college football running backs with at least 75 carries this year. B. John Robinson had the second highest yards per carry after contact. 5.1. The guy that was ahead of him, Ty Jordan? 5.4. So he's only .3 yards better per touch. Texas needs a wide receiver who's just dynamic. With the ball in his hand. Is Bajan Robinson. Now let's look at the quarterback situation. Going into the Alamo Bowl, we got the Battle of Sam at quarterback. We got Sam Neuer of Colorado against Sam Ellinger. Neuer may not even play this game, but he's their starter. He's been their starter for this year. When you look at the numbers, you overwhelmingly see that Ellinger has better numbers. How much of that has to do with the fact that Colorado only played five games this year, Texas played nine? Eh, possibly, but when you break it down on a per-game basis, Sam was better. Sam threw the same amount of interceptions in four, le- in four more games. He was not turning the ball over as much as Norrie was. What about running the football? Ellinger again, better. Norrie had five touchdowns in five games, so on an average, he had more than Ellinger, who only had eight. When it comes to running the football, Ellinger is that dual threat. Norrie can be that as well, but again, he's got a shoulder issue, may not play in this game. And we're still not sure about Sam Ellinger if he's going to return or not. We'll find out after the bowl game. Uh, But when it comes to the quarterback, tail of the tape, for the Alamo Bowl, uh, that's coming next Tuesday. Give the edge to quarterback Sam Ellinger. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Longhorns podcast. Once again, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas Eve from everybody here at Locked on Podcast Network. Make sure 
you're checking out Joshua Neighbors, Locked On Big 12. You heard him earlier on the roundtable. Go check out his podcast, Locked On the Big 12 podcast. Make sure you're listening each and every day as we bring it to your team every day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. But on behalf of the Locked On Big 12 team, I'm Patrick, and I will see you tomorrow. Hook them.